Welcome back or welcome to the Micro Leadership Podcast. In this series, we will be talking to leaders from a whole range of different disciplines and different businesses. We'll be trying to understand how they got to do what they do now and what their journey has been like. Each conversation will focus on each person's story, the challenges they faced, the successes they've achieved, the failures they've come through, and of course, what they've learned along the way. Each of these conversations will be designed to help you to understand the journey that others take to become great leaders, so you can learn to develop and become an even better leader yourself. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. In today's conversation, I'm joined by Jeff Harry. Jeff is the founder of the organisation Rediscover Your Play, a business that is helping corporate organisations to work in and face into some of those really challenging situations, but through the medium of play. In his own business, he calls himself the Director of Mischief. So that tells you a lot about how this conversation is going to play out. This was a really fun conversation. Jeff shares from his background from being a, a small child watching big and wanting to passionately follow a, a career in the toy industry to discovering that actually that's a really dull place to be and then really finding out how he could use play to really light up his life and make a difference for the businesses that he works with. You're going to love this conversation. Jeff is fantastic and I can't wait to, to jump straight in. So, hey, Jeff, welcome to the Microleadership Podcast. It is wonderful to have you uh, on as my guest today. So I'm really excited to find out more about you and learn about the stuff that you do. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, no, this is going to be great because we've only just met you. You know, we, we reached out, connected on LinkedIn, so we've never had a conversation, actually. So I'm really, really excited to see what you're going to share and, and what you're about. So for the benefit of our, of our listeners and for myself, tell us a little bit about kind of what you do and, and how have you got to do what you do? How, what's your background behind the, your, your passion about play, which is the thing that really connects? With sure. So I combine positive psychology and play to help a lot of organizations address their most challenging issues. As I find that many companies are avoiding what you know the big issues are, whether that's office politics, whether that's toxicity in the workplace, whether that's racism in the workplace, um, whether that's dealing with your inner critic. So I create workshops that are, that incorporate both positive psychology and play to actually put their teams in their shoes, in each other's shoes, mm -hmm. the, so they can experience what that's like to have those hard conversations. That's fantastic and dying to hear more. So where's that come from? What, what, what's led you into this real passion and enthusiasm for positive sure. psychology and play? Sure. The, so the short, short version is I saw the movie Big when I was a kid with Tom Hanks. And in that movie, he was he played with toys for a living. So I started writing toy companies really early on, like in fifth grade. And I just kept writing them throughout high school. It brought me to mechanical engineering in Boston at Tufts University. And then from there, I went on to New York to work for toy companies where I hated it. You know, it, was, they, it felt like they were selling microwaves or boxes. It, like no fun, no play. None of the things are the reason why, you know, 
like, so I had my quarter life crisis where I'm super disappointed. I thought I had my dream and then, mm -hmm. and then it was crushed. And I remember then going on this weird website in the US called Craigslist, where I found this uh, organization that was teaching kids engineering with Lego. And this is when I was in the Bay Area. Yeah. And there were only like seven nerdy guys that were just like running this program. And then I helped grow it into like the largest Lego inspired STEM organization in, in the country. Uh -huh. We were teaching 100,000 kids a year, a million total, but within 10 years. And in that, because I was in the Bay Area, I started working with a lot of Fortune 500 Silicon Valley companies mm -hmm. that were like, hey, do you do team building events? And we were like, sure, even though we didn't. And yeah. we had no idea what we were doing. We just moved it up as we went along. And even how we expanded our organization, we just played. We just picked cities that we thought were fun. We hired people that we thought were fun. Like, we, no business plan, just pursuing our play. Yeah. Um, and then during all of that, I realized that a lot of these companies were not having the harder conversations. So I s created a separate organization called Rediscover Your Play that was all about like, let's get into the deeper issues because you can't really be creative, innovative, and collaborative if you haven't created an environment for people to play and take risks and fall into flow. So what a great, great introduction. So from big three to, uh, to your own experience, I just love that. So, so when you are, when you're in those businesses, when you're, when you're having the conversation about using players as, as a mechanism to unlock these difficult conversations, what's, what's the reaction you get? Because I'm, I'm, oh, I'm guessing there's going to be some resistance to hang on a second. Oh, absolutely. Businesses yeah. Like companies like revolt when they hear, hear the word play, yeah. right? They're like, oh, that's frivolous. It, it doesn't have any meaning. But when you talk about flow, which I actually believe is synonymous with play, yeah. um, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's productivity. Oh, that's actually like figuring out how to take risks. Oh, that's that innovation and thinking outside the box. All those buzzwords that they want, you yeah. have to create a playful environment for that to happen, right? So I like to define play as any joyful act that you do where you're fully present in the moment yeah. where you are letting go of results and you've like fallen in love with the process. You don't have um, anxiety about the future. You're not regretting the past. You are just fully there, fully present. And that's ultimately what many companies want from their employees, especially now when they're working from home and you can't micromanage them. Yeah, it's just like, absolutely. how are you making sure that your teammates or your employees are doing the, as Marcus Buckingham says, the red thread work, the flow mm. work, so that the work that they most enjoy, so you're getting the most out of them. Yeah, and, and I love your definition, because as you said, in your, your links to flow state, because when I think of flow state, it's that real balance between doing something you love, but also doing something that's a little bit challenging, that's pushing you. Exactly. Uh, uh, in positive psychology, there's a guy named the doctor of flow, doc, Dr. Chikset Mihai, yeah. who talks about how the difficulty of the challenge meets your skill level. Yeah. So you're, all, you're reaching your full potential when you're fully in flow, right? So Absolutely. figuring that out for your employees of like, what is the thing that they do best? And what can I give them that's really difficult and super engaging and have them tackle that 
and they'll work more than you ever thought they would work because they're in their zone of genius, as Gay Hendricks says. They're forgetting about time and they're just loving the work that they're doing. It's just, I, I, lo I love this because it, it absolutely just sings to all the things that I'm so passionate about as well. Because one of the things I talk to leaders in the work that I do is to say to them, your job isn't to have all the answers to all the problems in your business. Your job as a leader is to ask the questions and set the challenges and then let your team have the freedom to go and solve them. And that's the bit that I love. It's that challenge, setting the challenges and then letting your team go out there and, and, and work on them. I wouldn't use the word, in my, prior to this conversation, I wouldn't have called that play, but actually I can really see how it is. Go and play with it. Go and play with right, those right. challenges. And, and what I love about the way in which you even flipped it was, you know, the way in which you interpreted leadership or how I heard you is like, it comes from a much more humble place. It comes from a much more curious place. Like let's solve this together. And especially during these COVID times of such mm. uncertainty, no leader has an, all the answers, right? No leader has any answers. Let's just be honest about what's happening, right? Yeah. So, so why are you pretending that you know? <laughs> like, it's better for you to show up in a more vulnerable, curious place and be like, let's figure this out together. Let's play with this. Let's play in the uncertainty. And maybe we create a whole new product, a whole new line or a whole new way in which we're gonna do outreach for you know, getting more business. But let's try, this is the opportunity to reinvent the way in which you show up as a leader. It's just something because the the bit that's again just just resonated just as you talk because my head's kind of popping as you as you're talking because I'm loving this so much but the the thing that's really kind of resonated there is when you're playing with stuff you don't care if you make a mistake because you're playing so exactly. all the fear of making a, an error goes out of the way whereas one of the habits within um, the micro leadership um, book that I wrote is called dare to fail because it's one of the things that we need to be better at but when you take away the pressure of the result which is what I heard from you earlier you're no longer worried about the actual outcome. You're worried about where you get there. So that that's just, so I love that. So tell me a little bit about, because I guess what I'm, I'd really love to hear more of your views on and thoughts on it. So as kids, we are, we play and we're really comfortable mm -hmm. playing. And then somewhere in, I guess, our teenage years, we, we um, kind of lower end of our, our kind of um, uh, young age and into those teenagers, we stop playing and then we kind of lose any connection to play as we get into adulthood. So how do you how do you get people to get back in touch with that childlike state of playing? What, what sort of things do you do to help sure. people do that? So, so first, I think you have to give yourself some um, compassion, right? The reason why many of us stopped playing was we heard 40,000 no's. There's been uh, many scientific studies around how by the time you're in your teens, you've heard the word no 40,000 times. Maybe you've heard the word yes, maybe seven to 8,000 times, mm -hmm. depending on your family. You know, some families, maybe you've heard more like 80,000 no's. So you're hearing all these no's from your parents, from school. You're all asked to ask permission all the time. And then there are all these shoulds that are putting on you. Like you should get good grades. You should do this. You yeah. should do that. You should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. Like, so, so all of that is falling on top of you. Um, that of course, most of us then just want to be considered normal. So we fall, you know, into like this, you know, the societal norms of like, is this what I should do? I just want mm -hmm. to get accepted. Right. So, and then on top of that, anytime you're mischievous, right. Anytime you're yeah. yourself, 
you know, people are like, oh, you're being too much. You're being too much. So you're battling all that. So I get that from the very beginning. Um, but what, you know, I, I quote a lot my uh, play mentor, Gwen Gordon, who speaks about how in order to play, you have to first, first soothe yourself. You have to calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are, you know, have a lot of anxiety right now. And you, you actually adopt your nervous system, the way in which you soothe yourself from the person that took care of you the most. So if they have any trauma, you have to take on that, you know, so you have to be mm -hmm. able to let go of that. So that's the first thing that people have to do is they have to figure out like, how do I calm myself? How do I relax myself? Because I can't play if I'm not in that state, right? Yeah. And then finally, when you're able to do that, then by second challenge to you is to get bored. And by bored, I mean like, don't binge watch Netflix, um, stop, get off of social media just for a little bit, just yeah. for a little bit during the day and just sit or walk or take a shower. But like whatever the thing where it like it quiets your mind mm. enough so that you can hear that inner whisper, that inner curiosity, that inner child that then says something to you, like write that blog post, you know, like, like um, make that video, create that podcast, yeah. like, Take that risk, reach out to that person you're scared to talk to, whatever the thing that you know is super exciting, but also scary for you to do. Yeah. And then just follow that curiosity and see where that play leads you. Yeah. And again, just, just love the way you think about things and the way you position things. But the thing that I find too much is we'll have that and we'll hear that in a voice. But of course, the minute that we hear it, the other side the more critical voice that sits on the other shoulder says, don't be stupid. You're going to look a fool or don't make, make a fool of yourself or, or, or again, what happens if it goes wrong? So let's talk about that because I literally run a workshop called how to play with your inner critic. And what you can do at that point, it's all about recognizing, making a, yourself aware of your inner critic. So in the workshop that I do, I actually have people write down what their inner critic says because a lot of times you don't even know that it's showing up. All of a sudden you feel bad and you're like, why do I feel bad? Mm -hmm. And just listening to that mean voice, you're like, well, it says I'm stupid. Well, it says I'm dumb. It says that I should never start that podcast. It said I should never make a video. I should never do anything. Well, you know, and then you, as you write it down, you start looking at the list and you're like, this is a lot of BS. Like, mm -hmm. I, am I listening to this? Who I, this person is so mean. My best friend would never be this mean to me. And yeah. my worst enemy would never be this mean to me. Why am I listening to this inner critic? But by simply writing that down. And then what I have them go do is I have them even um, identify what their inner critic looks like and sounds like, yeah. and then attach a character to that inner critic. Mine is Gargamel. Then I can write, then I can be like, oh, Gargamel's showing up and I will literally tell or text my friends and be like, Gargamel showed up today and it, and it said this to me. And by me simply writing it and even sharing it with my friends, the inner critic starts to get quiet because you shine a light on it and, you, and then you realize like, that's not me. That's my third grade self that is just trying to protect me. And you're like, thank you, Gargamel, but I actually don't need you right now. You can be in the car with us, but you're not driving anymore. You have to sit in the back seat. Yeah, absolutely. It's that bit because again, the way I always think about that and what came to mind as you shared it was they like to stay in the shadows. They don't want to be, I loved you saying you shine the light on it because because actually in your case, Gargamel or, or whatever we call our inner critic, they like to, to operate in the shadows of our mind, not to be up front and center. 
So yeah. Not, not and that. I think the other part that's really powerful about that is like, if you're at a workspace and you get triggered by someone that feels toxic to you, part of the reason why is because they're saying something that resonates with your inner critic and you're starting to believe that. Mm. So if you can address that within yourself, then you can also then go to that toxic person that says something rude or is just like, that was a really dumb idea that you shared at the meeting. And you could be like, Chad, don't ever speak to me in that way anymore. <laughs> and by simply doing that, not only are you doing a service for yourself, but you're also are then showing everyone else at the meeting, like, I just not tolerating that from Chad anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you are, um, when you're, when you're kind of working with it, say a team and you're helping them, you've got to overcome this kind of resistance to the play in the first place and get mm -hmm. them to have that soothing and, and calm space. Talk me through kind of some of the ways that you then tackle some of those deeper issues. Just kind of share some of the things you, you mentioned at the beginning that we, you've got a few. Yeah, kind of sure. Topics. So when we do our like um, how to deal with uh, toxicity at the workplace, right? We also, we have a nifty name, how to deal with a-holes at work through play. That's another way in which to say it. Yeah. But um, what we have them do is we have people play roles. So we have them first to act out what that toxic person's like. What's that toxic person like at your work? And we have each other share it, almost like you're embodying what that is. And then we even ask them like, how does that feel? Some people are like, oh, I love the power of that. Others are like, oh, I hate this. I don't like how this person feels, right? And then later on, we have them actually play out what they would say, right? And we make it an awkward, hard conversation because it's all about practicing yeah. what you will actually do when you go back out there. So then they start to build bravery and being like, oh, this conversation is not as hard as I thought it would be. And the more you're able to do that, the more you're able to get reps in. And that's the thing that I would challenge your listeners to do is anytime you're about to have a hard conversation, practice it over and over again with friends or you know, with your colleagues, because then you'll realize like, it's not that bad. And I, I'll be able to get through this. See, it, it's almost like we jumped out of the same peapod because we are so aligned in our thinking. One of the things that I share with um, with people I work with is, and I'm always fascinated by this. So in every other elite discipline on the planet, everybody practices to the yep. nth degree. So we, we were talking about soccer, you'd call it football, I guess we call it over here um, before we came on the show. Um, and, I, you know, you can't imagine somebody who's playing for Liverpool, your team, Mm -hmm. turning up at a when the manager saying right we're going to practice this really quick routine and them saying no because it's not real it's a role play and refusing to do it they do it day in day out and they practice the same thing over and over and over again so on saturday afternoon when it comes to it in the game they know which routine they're going to go to which moment in time and they can execute it perfectly and yet in business we seem so reluctant to do any kind of practice Absolutely. And the other thing that's so fascinating is, is I, I attribute it to like maybe Formula One racing or any mm -hmm. type of car racing in that your coach is in your ear for three hours and you are constantly making mistakes, but your coach keeps bringing it up to you over and over again. So imagine that's what they need. What if you had that where you're like, someone's like, you got this, you can do this, you know, mm -hmm. you know, Keep, go back in there and have that conversation again. And that's part of the reason of why we do this is we're both cheerleaders as well as coaches trying to help them along and giving them the bravery to take that next step. 
So I'd love to know, how do you build play into your own life? So I know the work you do and how you help businesses, but when you think about you, Jeff, the man, how do you build play into into yourself and the way that you kind of live your life? So, so um, I, well, I'll start with this quote, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, she's a big author here in America, wrote this uh, thing, personal transformation doesn't happen until you get tired of your own BS, right? Mm -hmm. And my BS was that I was like, I can't make videos. I don't know how to make videos. I don't have time to make videos, all that stuff. Then COVID hit and it was just like, guess what? You have all the time in the world. Uh So my newest way of playing since March is like, I make make these really stupid, ridiculous videos for myself. And I do that at the very beginning of the day. And it actually positively primes the rest of my day. I made one right before this so that I was just like already in a playful positive growth oriented mindset then to go into this podcast and be like well let's play here oh let's play here and just thinking about how you can frame your mindset don't watch news when you start the day because that makes you 20 to 40 percent less productive because then you're looking for all of the negative bad things that are going to happen you know and actually positively prime your mind because a lot of times and i challenge people this all the time you know when you say you had a bad day, it's not actually that you had a bad day. You had a bad moment. And then thoughts are usually last between nine seconds and 90 seconds, yeah. but you ran that bad moment a thousand times in your head, as well as you looked for other bad moments throughout the entire day. You can do the exact opposite and have a great day, great day by simply asking yourself, how can it get any better than this? Asking that when something really good happens and you just stack on all the positivity. I, I love it. And again, the, the routine in the morning, because one of the things that I um, used to do more, and I, and I do it on a different platform now, but I, when, when I first got into Twitter, um, I became renowned for having a thought of the day. And I used to literally every morning would send out this thought of the day. And people used to think it was because I wanted to become some great thought leader. Right. But it really wasn't. It was just me throwing out a positive thought every morning that I would put out into the ether that set for me, priming mm-hmm. my own uh, mindset and my state to look for the good in the world and the fact that other people read it and liked it or whatever was was completely irrelevant to me it was lovely right. to, to see but actually it didn't mean a thing to me because that wasn't the reason the reason was is i wanted to prime myself every day to to think in a way that was positive and um affirming and and, and playful and like i to- and i and i think one thing that's super important for leaders to get is that that unproductive time sometimes that playful time is what your staff needs so you have to think about that. What can I do to support them in doing this stuff so it gets them in the flow in order to do our work? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Definitely. So on this podcast, we've got people listening to this who are um, senior leaders in businesses, been around for a while, looking for kind of latest concepts, ideas. But we've also got people who are just starting out on their leadership career, either running their own business or, or um, in the corporate space. So if you were to be able to give kind of one piece of advice that you could give to, to people listening, you've already given some great things, but if I was to push you for one more piece of advice that really kind of stands out from, from your own experience or the work that you do, what's the one thing you would say to our listeners that they could take and, and build into their own practice? Yeah, I would, I would stack it in two ways. I'd first say, nobody knows what they're doing. They're all making it up as they go along. They just are. And especially during this pandemic, nobody is a pandemic perfectionist. No one has the answers. You are the expert right here of your own life, your own way of leadership. So listen to that inner 
curiosity, that inner child and follow that. And then the second thing is part of that would be to say like, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket, as they say in Goodwill Hunting. You're sitting on something that is uniquely you. Yeah. And in order for other people to show up, you need to show up. People are waiting for you to do that amazing podcast, to do that amazing video, to take a risk and create that new business. Whatever that risk, whatever that exciting thing is, someone is waiting for you to take that risk so they can take their own. Right. So, so it's time for you to actually show up. That is such a powerful message to leave, leave people listening to this. And, it, and one of my um, mentors, a guy called Paul Martinelli, shares that you don't get the idea unless you're capable of doing it. Ooh. We often kill ourselves with, and we kill that idea dead because our inner critic comes and jumps all over it. But actually, mm -hmm. if you're not capable of doing it, you don't get the idea in the first place. So if you are getting something, you've got all the tools you need to go and do it, apart from the belief in yourself. That's the one thing that's often missing. So yeah, I think we're- I love that quote. Oh, I got to use that from now on. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So Jeff, this, is, this has been absolutely, I mean, we, we could go on talking for hours on mm -hmm. this. This is, this is great. But um, if people want to find out more and, and get to know you and maybe um, connect with you and maybe carry on this conversation, how can they find you? Where's the best place to get hold of you? Yes, they can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com. And also I make a lot of my ridiculous, dumb, uh, videos uh, at the handle Jeff Harry Plays, J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. And I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of them. Brilliant. Well, we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes for uh, for this show so people can just click on and get, get hold of you because I'm sure there'll be loads of people listening to this who just say, I just need a bit more, a bit more time with Jeff and I'd like to find out a little bit more. So I'll really encourage them to reach out to you and uh, yeah, and engage and, and I'm sure you can help so many people with um, some of the thoughts that you've shared today. So um, Jeff, I've got to say, this, is, this has been, it's been fantastic. Uh, you know, it's a, as, as I said earlier, it's coming to the yes. afternoon. So this has been the perfect kind of energy boost for my afternoon. And, and I know you're starting out your day over there in Chicago. So um, hopefully it's set you up for a good day as well. But I've got to say a really a huge thank you for coming and joining me on the podcast. It's been- Oh, been it's been such a blast. pleasure. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you're very welcome. So, uh, Thanks again. Take care. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as we did. And if you have, then we'd love you to go to your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating. And what's more, if you've got friends who you know would also appreciate hearing the kind of stories of leaders who are making it in their particular chosen field and will benefit from listening in then tell them all about it. The only way that we can grow this podcast is through you helping us to get the word out there. So we'd really appreciate if you can share it with those people you know who would also benefit from listening in. Thanks very much and we look forward to sharing our next conversation with you. Mm -hmm.